taking you inside the games we love. This is Bill Roden on Sports. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to uh, yet another segment of Bill Roden uh, and Friends. Uh, well, Bill Roden on Sports. I, I still like Bill Roden and Friends. But anyway, uh, welcome to another segment of Bill Roden uh, on Sports. Uh, of course, uh, Jamal Murphy's here to my right. Hello, hello, hello. And making a uh, cameo, uh, Brian, Brian DeLindick, our wine guy, who's been out basically making a living. But Brian, Brian, I've been on IR, Bill. Here. But I am thrilled to be here as always. That's great. And uh, really, really, very, very happy and thrilled uh, to um, bring uh, into uh, into the studio the wonderful Swin Cash. Swin Cash is a WNBA veteran. Uh, she currently is a, is with the New York uh, New York Liberty. We'll talk a lot about the great season you guys have had. Yeah. And we'll talk about a lot of stuff, all things Swim. But Swim, welcome to the program. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's great having you here. Uh, there's there's so much to talk about. I've uh, been admiring you since Connecticut, uh, the anchor of those great UConn teams. But let's... Undefeated. Uh, yeah, the undefeated. <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean, just really taking great. me down memory lane. Yeah, yeah go. we'll go down there. We got like we'll go down memory lane. Uh, let, let's start the here and now. I mean, I, I, I was following you on Twitter, and, and Jamal is a Twitter expert. You were tweeting out a lot of Met stuff, right? I mean, you're you're you, you know we can't ignore the here and now. The <laughs> yeah. Mets are like sort of the talk of of the town. Are you a Mets a Mets person? You know, I was born raised right outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So, you know, if you cut me right now, you're going to see black and gold that comes uh -oh. out. I love my uh -oh. Pittsburgh teams. But the one thing I love and respect is now living here in New York City is the support of the other sports franchises. I've always been one of those people, uh, wherever I play, I'm going to support the other teams and the other players and organizations because we're, we're kind of like a fraternity, a sorority, uh, you want to make sure everyone's doing well. And I know we had a couple of Mets players, I believe, that uh, came to some of our games, and um, it's been pretty cool. And I remember Granger was back in Detroit with the Lions, when I mean, with the uh, Tigers when I was playing back there, too, so it's pretty cool. Oh, Gran uh, um, what's the name? Uh, Granderson. Yeah, Granderson. 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 Yeah, yes, I yes. actually saw him at, at some, of your, uh, mm -hmm. some of your games. So now, when you were at UConn, who did you like? When you were at UConn, you guys were winning up all the titles. <laughs> who did you? Who did they you they like still, are, they still are. They haven't stopped. Still well, I, I've always been a huge Steelers fan, obviously, like I said. So I've uh, been big on them. Lately, I mean, I grew up watching the Pirates with my grandma all the time. Uh, and we weren't good for a number of years. And so it's it's exciting to see the beautiful new stadium and to see how they've been playing well. But, you know, I just even in college, I supported the home team. I mean, I remember Sue, Sue talking about being in Queens. I used to always laugh at her because she went to Christ the King, and but she lived out in Syosset some. So I'm like, who are you? You know what I'm saying? You know, Mets, you the Yankees, what are you? So uh, we used to always have those, those debates, and it was a good time. Yeah. Uh, you guys are coming up. You guys, me and the Liberty, coming off a, a really tremendous year that sort of feeds into the whole success of these New York teams. Obviously, the Mets are in the World Series. Uh, Yankees got into the playoffs. Uh, Jets are making some noise. Now, that could come in some conflict with the black <laughs> and gold because at some point in time, if things keep progressing like this, there's going to come. By the way, what do you think of uh, what do you think of uh, the Steelers and Michael Vick and um, and sort of what, this has nothing to do with, but but since you are a a, a, a black and gold fan, uh -huh. I was really curious. You know, I went to cover Michael Vick's first game up there when he. In, what do you what do you think of of the of the Steelers' predicament right now? Uh, you know, it's it's very interesting because uh, I actually was at the last game and oh, she's really serious. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the last game and it's one of those things where I've been so proud of this team because even when Ben went down and then you know. Vic came in and he's trying to figure out how to maintain and not mess anything up. And But it's been that stellar defense. The defense has really and it's a staple of the city. It's a staple mm. of, uh, of the Steelers to really have that thriving defense 
in spite of you know, in spite of injuries, that helps you win week after week, and everybody's just holding their breath until Ben gets back. But <laughs> other than that, it's been pretty good. And what do you think is going to happen when Ben gets? back? I mean, again, we're not going to turn this into an NFL hold, show. Hold on, every, hold on, Bill. I know you're not saying like he's going to work his way back in. No, no, he's going right back to the front to the starting lineup. Well, no, I know that. But I mean, do you think you've been? When, when, what's the most serious you've been injured in your career? Oh man, let's see. I had a, an ACL, and I also had a back surgery. So right. it's 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 always tough coming back, but I think and Ben's one of those quarterbacks. He's been mobile, get out the pocket, makes you miss, has a big size, hard to bring him down. But it's his arm. Uh, I think the person that's missing him the most, Antonio Brown. You can see yep. it on his face right. <laughs> week after week. <laughs> it's like if somebody don't get back and throw me this ball, that's gonna be a problem. Um, but I think having the the youth at the receiver position, you need somebody that can throw those timely passes, that can give you shots down the field, and it's a threat. So I think when Ben comes back, even though he may not be as mobile right away or have the sustainability he had before, his arm alone has to make those D-backs respect him. Hmm. So if the Jets play the Steelers in the playoffs... Uh, yeah, she still is. That's no that's that's not loyalty stays there. Plus, you live in Jersey. Right? So well, it's not. you know, we just actually uh, moved to New York. Well, we have a home yet. We haven't moved into it yet. We per- perched the home in New York. Um, okay. But my husband grew up here in New York, and he's a Giants fan. So oh. you can imagine, you know, one of those conversations of if we ever have kids, we should just put a hat on this side, <laughs> Giants, hat on this side, Steelers, and then let them choose. I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> what, there's no choice? There's no choice. Wow. <laughs> I didn't have a choice growing up. You, it's like this one of those things. You you cheer for both teams, but like mommy, if it comes down to they play each other, we go with the black and gold. Oh. Do you know Do you know what happens when the mom's a, a Steeler fan and dad's a Giant fan? What happens? They grew up Cowboy fans. Oh, oh, uh, <laughs> uh, I know. See, that's, that's, why'd you go there? Yeah, well, because he's a. D- <laughs> well, my, my I son, try to work that son, in every show. I have a 15 month old, and uh, he has no choice. Just Mets decals all over the crib. <laughs> It's a wrap for him. A, yeah. well, but now but we're going to replace all those with Liberty stuff, right? Well, that's true. <laughs> well you know, different sports. That's all yeah, good. Liberty's sports. all good. So, so tell us about the run, though, because it was really quite exciting uh, in New York. Um, uh, the season began, you know, on a note of controversy with you know Isaiah and all that stuff. And I thought it was a testament to the level of ball that by the end of the season, everybody was talking basketball. And I, I you, you know, New York, mm-hmm. winning erases everything. Yeah, if everything. you guys <laughs> lost... You know what we've been talking about. <laughs> but, we know. But but tell me, what, what was it like? Um, what was it like for, for for you guys to have such a great season? Uh, to really have a great campaign. What what was what was this year like for you guys? Uh, well, now that we're you know a couple of weeks removed, I can actually reflect on it. I yeah. think after we lost, I think it was tough. It was shocking uh, for everyone. I think it was one of those things where you couldn't talk about it in the moment. But now that I look back, uh, this is one of one of the most uh, enjoyable teams mm. for me to be around. Mm. And because mm. it was the personalities of each and every player, uh, they, everyone bought into the idea of let's bring magic back to New York. Let's mm. bring magic back to the Liberty. Mm. Um, there was um, this sense of pride, this sense of, you know, we're going to show New York we're the New York team. And we wanted to get it done. Like, we wanted to win. We heard about people saying, we heard of people saying, basketball isn't here. The Knicks were this last year. You know, where's basketball? So we wanted to take that moment and be like, all right, we're here. Mm. Like, not just because we're women, but because we're going ball in a city. And you just saw, as the season went on, we found ways to win. We enjoyed it. Uh, You could tell if you saw us from the bench. I think there was a nice blend of veterans, um, younger players, and the ability to want to just get better every day in practice. How, what was it like playing in New York as opposed to other cities that you that you played for in WNBA? Like, I mean, man, obviously, obviously listen. you embrace, <laughs> obviously you're embracing it. But what was it like? I, you know, I loved playing in every single city that I played in. But I, when I played on other teams, I used to love. I used to circle like we're gonna go play in the garden. Mm. Like I, you wanted to show out when you played in the garden. And I remember in the, those Detroit days, and we had uh, the rivalry going back and forth for New York. Oh, I wanted to come show out in the garden. And to now have the opportunity to play every single game in the garden was just like, for me, as somebody that's watched other players come before me, it was really special. So, I mean, people could argue, because I really got into the uh, uh, the season, particularly when you guys were rolling 
when Epiphany came back and, and she kind of found things out. Uh, but then, you know, I'm, I'm thinking you guys came within a half, literally a half of reaching the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, and if people don't know what you guys were at in Indiana, you had a phenomenal oh, reopening these wounds. Sorry, that's okay. But but it was but it, it was <laughs> remarkable. You guys were so hot, and I, I forget what you were up by what fifteen, sixteen, yeah. something like that, mm-hmm. at the at, at intermission. How much of that uh, when you when you think back on a season, and you know, there's no one thing dictates stuff. But how much of that haunts you? How much as a professional you say, listen, it goes in your in in, in your consciousness, goes out. What? How much of that sticks with you? Well, I think um, for different players, they have different views on it. Um, for me, it was it was extremely tough. Um, it's something that I had to kind of step away from after we finished because I, I, for so many years, I've been used to at critical times and situations like that being on the floor and mm-hmm. having the ability to to affect the way that the game is going to be played. Um, and you don't have control. You don't have control of when you play, when you don't play. Um, but it was hard to, to see it, to be in it um, at the position that I was in. But I still felt like if it's not my time to go through this experience right now, it's going to make the players that are on the floor, and especially the younger players, right. have to learn something. Because those same situations, I've been in a million times, been there before. Mm. Um, but, it, you know, I had to kind of take a step back outside of myself and and understand what, what happened, um, process it, and then figure out a way to, to how do you correct it, how do you how do you correct the psyche for the players that are, that are going to be here Because you were coming off the bench. No, I was, oh, I was starting, on, but was I was on the, the bench. bench. I was yeah, on yeah. the bench, um, a majority Definitely. of that second half. So when you see it, that's why I'm saying it's yeah. different people's perspective of how were you in the moment? Could you have changed something? Um, or, you know, it's tougher for a player who may say, I didn't have an opportunity to change it. I, I wasn't there. But you know what? We're collective as a team. We win as a team. We lose as a team. You can see what you can do better for the year, for, for next year. And I thought uh, Tina Charles, I thought Epiphany Prince, I thought even Kia Stokes and, and Brittany Boyd, I thought those four players are, were going to gain a lot from the, the playoffs. Not really being, you know, how how to win, mm-hmm. how to how to get to that next step. You know, uh, I I I, um, I guess I'd always had followed um, uh, from Indiana. I'm, uh, oh, I'm getting it. Tamika Catchings. Tamika. Boy, it kind of happens every broadcast. I just celebrated a birthday. Your your birthday is September, right? Yeah, yeah. Mine is the second. Yeah. And I'm like, well, well, that's another broadcast. But. This is the first time I really studied Tamika Catchings, and she mentioned something about the same moment. Mm. There was a moment in the garden when you guys were up, and she said that I found it was time for me to step up because she felt it slipping away too, and there comes a point in every great player's career where you say, okay, you know what, it's time. I've let you guys, but now it's time to step forward. I think all she did was just drove, got a foul, and all Mm. that. And I guess that's sort of what you're talking about, and you've got such a body particularly you because you won a Connecticut you've been in a lot of situations where it was time to just crush people you won what three championships two uh, two two three in the WNBA two in college yeah yeah and, and but with the Detroit mm-hmm. so in other words you had this whole body of work that has to do with winning championships and I was wondering what you just said that well people learn what is it that you learn uh, if you hadn't won a championship or if you're not in that situation what is it that that you learn when you're in that situation that when it comes around, I guess it makes you, it, they make you a winner or they make whatever they call being a clutch player? I always say, um, and this <laughs> may sound cliche, you either kill or, or be killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say that winning is an animal mentality. Like you come out and you have to grab whatever it is by the throat. And that means that every single second you're on the floor, you don't exhale. Um, mm-hmm. Defensively, you don't exhale. You get down in a stance. When it's time to box out and get a rebound, you figure out a way to box out and get the rebound. If you're not a good person that boxes out, you figure out how to go get the rebound. It is one of those mentalities where you will not be denied. Mm. It's one of those mentalities when we can't, our jump shots aren't falling. I don't care what it is. I'm going to the block. I'm going to turn around and post up, and you need to get me the ball because I'm either going to get fouled or I'm going to score. It is something that is built inside of you. It's Mm. something that 
you have to play with consistently and some people they always say some people have it some people don't right, but right. when you play with people that have it you got to figure out a way how to feed off them to be a part of that how frustrated uh, yeah how frustrated when you play with somebody don't uh, uh, who doesn't um you know, again yeah i've been doing this for a long time you know i've been at the times for 32 years and so you see great performances you see people like uh yourself you see people like kobe bryant uh, you know, there's certain people. Tamika, I think, mm. I think might fall in that. Absolutely. The, the last finals, when mm-hmm. you looked at um, uh, Maya. Absolutely. Maya. You know, you, you, you're right. You, people either have it or they don't. So the question is, how you deal with people with, when they don't? Do you? Is it something you could kind of make them have it, or or for that moment, artificially make them have it? What do you do? I always say that the best leaders have a way to tap into people to make them do what you need them to do. Um, and they may not have the. Nobody's going to. I always say this when I step on the floor, I want to be up against Tamika. I want mm. to guard her because I know how hard she's going to go. I want her to have to guard me like you. You want those challenges. But I always feel like the greatest leaders understand how to tap into people. And I'll give you an example. Epiphany Prince. Mm. Piff's mentality is very laid back. She's not going to talk yeah. to you unless you ask her a question. Right. And then she's yeah. going to give you a short answer. Yeah. She's not going to yeah. be cheering up and down. She's yeah. going to make a crossover where the crowd goes wild and she keeps the same expression on her exactly. face. Exactly. I always, right. <laughs> I always right. call it the Derrick Rose syndrome because I feel like her face is always it the never same. Changes. But, yeah. you know, I can go up to Piff and I know how to push certain buttons and say certain things and tell her she needs to get like she is in kill mode on the playgrounds in Brooklyn. Like if somebody's trying to take something from you because in your back of your mind, all of us have had to prove ourselves, even if that's on a playground with all the boys or whether that's trying to be on the best team um, to win a national championship. So my job as a veteran, my job as a leader is to figure out what moves you, what's going to hit a court either to piss you off to play or it's going to question the pride you have in in your ability. Because, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that. I I had a couple of long conversations with Bill Lambert. And (laughs) we'll get to that later because, Uh, in other words, you don't always have to love your boss. But mm -hmm. but that's another... (laughs) We'll get to that later on. But but it it is a very important thing because... um, even politically, sometimes we talk about that in terms of, you know, black athletes and mobilizing. I use the locker room as sort of a, a laboratory to listen. You don't have to love everybody, but we're here for a mission. Leave all that other stuff in the locker room. We come in the laboratory and say, listen, I respect you because you rebound. Mm-hmm. I respect you because you shoot. We're not going to dinner, we're not, but we've identified the championship. Mm-hmm. That's kind of all it's about. Now, once we get out the locker room, you know, but when we get in here, we put all that stuff around. I see that if you're talking about the revolution, mm-hmm. how black folks have gotten from 400 years here. It's gotten, everybody hadn't gone to dinner, but they said, listen, this is a mission. This is what we got to do. You do. Anyway, but to break it down to, to, <laughs> to basketball, point, yep. to basketball, um, Lambert was saying the same thing about a piff. He said she's a reluctant star. And he kind of said the same thing about Tina, not to that ex- extent, but but in that ballpark. And I guess you have been, or you've been around winners. How do you deal with an epiphany prince trying to get that out? Even Tina, who had reached a sort of level this year, but not quite there. How do you, how do you deal with that? Uh, the deal is to... to to talk to the players, to show them. Um, I always say that talented players don't always equal great players. Mm. And so somebody's going to be great because they want to be great. Mm. Somebody can have a lot of talent, but they're okay in their role. And the job of the coach, the job of the leaders on the team is to figure out who those players want to be because you can make someone want to be. I've seen where coaches get so frustrated and they – feel like a player can be great and they can be all these things but that's not necessarily what the player has inside and you're sitting there like uh coach do you see how she practices do you see how she handles herself like she doesn't want that so I always say um even dealing with some of the kids that I I deal with is I can't make you be something you don't want to be um so I think the first thing you have to do is identify who they want to be and then if you can't build them up then you better figure out how to build around them use their talents but you better get some dogs in there and some somebody that has that certain mentality it meshes with you and understands how you want to get certain things done 
Well, you, when you looked at the finals, uh, the, 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 A, did you look at the NBA, the WNBA finals? <laughs> did you watch? Did you watch it? <sighs> there were times I peaked. There were times I had to walk away. And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hmm. What was that like? Why? Just because it was just so disappointing to, to uh, not be there? And you guys were so close, I, as I have to remind you. I, I just always, yeah, because I'm one of those players where I I understand how hard it is to get there. Yeah. And when you piss away those type of opportunities, you're not guaranteed to be back there next year. Right. You could have the most right. talented team. Right. Every single person on our That's team right. could be back next year. And if we didn't make it to the final, just That's like, right. oh, it's why didn't you? Last year you almost That's got right. there. No. That's right. Take advantage of the opportunity you're in right now. That's right. Man. Wake up, game three at home. That's right. Go out there to strangle somebody. Jump over, <laughs> jump over a bus or something. That's right. That's you know. Right. So I guess I'm a little bit older or seasoned. I like to say. So, <laughs> right. so in my mind, I understand that younger players if you're in your second third year in you may be like man I got time and, that, and that's coming from someone who's won five <laughs> I know I know I know I know. you know there, there's a record uh, I'm older than you guys but there's a there's a group called the Four Tops and they had this, they had this we've, they had this, we've heard of them we've heard of them <laughs> well, I mean, you never take it for granted you, it's like it's like as you grow up you know I grew up like in the 60s and stuff like that and there are certain things like the Black Panthers and Fred and and there's certain like the, the you know, Tommy Smith and Carlos with the fist. There's certain things that acted like it was. I, I was there, tasted it, and you tell somebody else who was the younger, and it's like, oh, that was, it was a movie that really happened. <laughs> right, right. You know, so you can't you can't take things for granted. But I was just thinking, the Four Tops had this record called "Just uh, Don't uh, Just Ask the Lonely," and and there's this line that said, "The young and the young and foolish laugh and love, and simply run away, confident and sure that fate." will bring another love their way. Just ask the lonely. That's it. And that's the same thing that yeah. you get to this point and you think, oh, we'll be back. Mm-hmm. And I've seen so many teams that because they got to the seventh game or whatever, they're assuming, it, and they per people who've never gotten back, that was a highlight of their career and they mm-hmm. never got back. And you're right, it's hard to tell uh, who's uh, Kia. Mm-hmm. She probably assuming somewhere in the far reaches of her mind, well, you know, I'm rookie. We'll get back. Mm-hmm. And you got to tell Kia, it ain't... Nothing's guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed. Yeah. Well, you know? c- coming into the season, what did, what did you see your role as being? Did you expect to play more? Did you see yourself being a mentor to younger players? How did you see it coming in? <laughs> uh, it was it was definitely different coming into the season. Um, uh, I like to say that this year I was probably more of like a chameleon and just kind of get in where you where you fit in a lot of situations but because I had prior history and uh with the coach I understood that uh there were going to be a lot of new pieces and when you look at players and you know veteran players are a lot more flexible to kind of get in and you and I also have this mentality where I want to see other players become the best of themselves. So I understand how to lead. I understand how to be the superstar of the team. I understand how to, I've learned how to take a back seat and let people thrive and be the best that they can be. Um, was it tough at times this season? Absolutely. I'm not going to sit here and say it isn't. I mean, I went from starting, not starting, back in the starting lineup again. Um, changes that were made, playing a little bit, playing a lot, different games. Um, but that's part of it. Uh, those are, I don't dwell on those type of things because those are coaches' decisions and you just do the best that you can do when you're out there. Now, that may be difficult because people don't understand this when when you're a player that maybe plays and is used to playing you know, 25, 28 minutes um, a game your whole career, maybe, actually I think it was at 30, um, a career, the way that you play and approach the game is different. I don't need to come out right away and attack because I only have certain limited touches I'm going to get or certain minutes to play. I can pace throughout the game because I know I can attack at this mode or that mode because I'm going to play. It's different when you may just be an energy player coming at the, you know, for the first four minutes and then you don't play again to the second quarter, the last three minutes. So your mindset and your approach to it changes and your rhythm changes. Um, So I think this year was definitely a learning experience for me. It was, it was difficult at times, but I wouldn't trade anything in the world because of the impression that I had on so many players. Like that that was valuable to me because I felt like, you know what, I gave a lot of myself. I was very selfless at times. Right. And even if I took a little bit of a hit, um, I was okay with that. Did, did, did you and Bill 
make some kind of peace. And I say that because we all have bosses. Mm-hmm. Some <laughs> we agree with, some we don't. But basically, if you've been places long, I, at some point, you just say, okay, that's because I don't own the paper. <laughs> you don't own the team. And so that's a, but but you play for you. You had a history mm-hmm. with Bill a long time, and you agreed to come back here. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious without without you know going into the lot. But what? How did you make peace with him, or what kind of discussions did you guys have to to make it? At some because at some point it's got to work. It's got to. We're trying to get to the championship. Mm-hmm. So what kind of peace did you make with you wanted to play more? Him saying, well, yeah, but here's your role. Um, well, I don't think – well, first I would say um, in order for me to come back here, there had to be a, a conversation um, about how I felt, how he felt, and how we – how could we get back on the same page? We can agree to disagree, right. but there needs right. to be a certain respect for one another. Right. And that's the only reason that I would have – in my heart and in my conscience be able to come back and play and we had that that conversation but a lot of people don't understand too is that you know Kristen Burner who is with MSG she's always behind the scenes but she's um you know a VP that has done a lot for a team also started with Bill and I in mm. in Detroit and so she's now here um for the Liberty and she was a big factor also in me coming here. Um, KB was the first person to kind of teach me about not only GM positions, but how to certain branding things that needed to happen as I was a young girl coming into the league at 22, right. wanting to get all this knowledge. So right. I think having her here has been um, very helpful for me as well. But, you know, back to Bill, I think we agreed early on. We had a conversation. Um, I think that as a coach, he had a lot going on this year. I mean, I don't know if it's the first time in the history that your contract doesn't get renewed. You guys have all of this stuff that happens over here. You come back around, and then you win coach of the year, and all these other things happen. And it's just like there was a lot going on for him, too. So I'm not – I'm not naive to the fact, like, it's all about me, me, me. At the end of the day, it's not all about me, me, me. But, you know, when you have certain leadership that you have on your team, him and I have to have a certain rapport. And I felt that we had that – did he always tell me you weren't going to play this much or that much? No, I think he was just dealing with the whole team in general. But those are conversations. Once you finish the season, you make sure you talk about it in your exit meeting and say, this is what I felt we did right. This is what I felt we did wrong. And this is where we need to get better. And, but you're coming back. You're putting me on the spot in here. You know, I haven't, you know what? Um, no, I, yeah. yeah, I haven't said anything. I just about thought about anything. it. I mean, I would, she I loves just, New York. I do love New York. I do love New she York. She loves Bill Lane Beer now. <laughs> like, well, no, you, I, is that what you heard? So, I don't no, know. Anyway, go ahead. We'll keep this well, on. It. <laughs> but, but, but stay on, on Lane Beer for a second. You had mentioned, you know, you had to have a talk about mutual respect. Is, was, was there a loss of respect in Detroit? Um, I, I don't know if it was a loss of respect or disappointment. Um, I went through a situation, and I kind of talked about it in my book, Humble Journey, okay. Precious and Gold. You can go out there and get that on Amazon. Yes, yes, and will do. Um, <laughs> humble but, Journey. Yes, Humble Journey, More Precious Than Gold. Um, mm. I think the thing that um, for Bill and I just came to a point where the team and the atmosphere was changing who I was as a person and as a player. And I think anytime that you're unhappy – in that situation, which I thought, I felt like he had some some of that, you know, took some of that responsibility. I thought it was time to, to move on. But what I'll, I'll give him credit for this. We were at NBA All-Star um, doing free agency, and he sat down with me and he asked me, you know, is you sure you want to be traded? Because everybody thinks that I was just traded out of Detroit. And I told him from the beginning, no, I asked to be traded. I needed to – I had needed for my mental peace that, to get a new start. And he said, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, yes, this is what I want to do. And it was a thing like, okay – shook hands and, and, and went. So it wasn't any fighting, scratching, yelling and all of that stuff. Well, he used to do that in the NBA. Fight, yeah, he used to do yell. that. But I was, I was, I'm very professional and I try to keep it professional. <laughs> <laughs> and you also know in this business, you know, as you know in this business, you never know who you're going to end up with. You yeah. know, you could burn a bridge and then say, oh, you know what? I need that bridge. I need mm-hmm. to cross over. You just never know. Yeah, I thought it was it was crazy because I was dealing with the whole Chicago situation and New York picked up the phone and they were like, we we want Swin bad. We want to get her here in New York. We're trying to change and do some different things. And I knew that 
uh, Bill, I knew that KB respected not only what I brought to the floor, but who I was as a person. And I, I expect players that are coming behind me to carry themselves as pros, to right. practice like pros and everything else. So, yeah. to play it a new podcast network featuring radio and tv personalities talking business sports tech entertainment and more play it at play.it taking you inside the games we love this is bill roden on sports what you mentioned um the, the proving ground, you know, testing ground. Uh, a lot of people talk about Rucker and all that. You grew up in McKeesport, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. So where where is the proving ground there? Where was the <laughs> testing ground there? It's like a Rucker and McKees, but where was the testing ground? Who's who on the, on the on, in the summer? Where did you get beat up? Where did you you know where did you cut your teeth? Or at home? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anybody's listening from the Berg, as we like to say. Uh, you know, I grew up in Harrison Village Projects. Um, my first fell in love with basketball was right outside of uh, the 7 building uh, back then I was getting beat up not only by my cousins but a lot of football players uh, Brandon Short y'all may remember him played here mm-hmm. for the Giants one of my close friends growing up uh, him and his friends used to beat me up playing out there then you can go to Connie Hawkins uh, down in Pittsburgh uh, the Hill District used to play ball over there so it's all over. I mean, we love basketball. We also love football uh, in Western Pennsylvania. But yeah, that's where I got my start, Bill. So, f- from and we're going to read this in humble journey, mm-hmm. more precious than gold. Mm-hmm. We're going to all of our listeners are going to actually go and yes, get this some nice life lessons in there. <laughs> uh, uh, what about the you, you, what about Title Nine and that kind of stuff? Because a lot of the undercurrent of this season has been what impact did the Women's World Cup uh, and, and and I think that the players have been very good at that, the WNBA, and that you realize that it's not just about basketball. The guys sort of have the luxury mm-hmm. to say, well, it's just about ball. We have no social response because the game and the male's game is almost on automatic pilot. <laughs> you know, we don't have to promote it. We don't have to break down gender walls and all that. You, Your team and your teammates in the league has been very, very good at that. And we know that it's not just about, you know, basketball. Mm-hmm. So... That gets back to the question: What, how, how large a step did, do you think the WNBA and Liberty made in terms of moving women's basketball, the perception of women's ball, a, a giant step forward with the season you had and the season the WNBA had? I will tell you this: um, I thought that the New York Liberty took the biggest step forward in saying we are women that play the game but we're going to show you how we burn bright. And I know they were hashtagging it all season long. They were showing you not only the social responsibility we have, but the moral compass to say, you know Mm. what? There are so many issues out there, and if we have an opinion on it, by goodness, we're going to talk about it. Um, It's hard when you don't have a platform to really speak your mind. I thought the Players' Tribune did an excellent job of not only telling our stories, but giving people an inside glimpse of who we are. We're competitors. They showed the competitive side. They showed the charitable side. They showed all these different levels. Let's talk about race. Let's talk about inequality. Why can't I do that, but also play ball? No, you're not going to shut me up. You're not going to push me to the side. We're in a day and age where we can stand up, we can speak, and in a little while, we might even have a a woman president. I mean, come on. We don't know, but I think this was a huge step for the New York Liberty, and I think next year, going into the 20th year of the WNBA, the 20th anniversary of the 96 Olympic team that's kind of started it off, kicking off the league, I think it's time for for the Liberty and for New York to stand up and be the leader. This is the Mecca, so show you how to get it done. Did you did you feel some momentum gained this year? Yes, I felt a lot. Let me tell you, this is yesterday I was you know, in Harlem at the Boulevard restaurant. I don't know if you guys have been there probably. I live, I live, I live in Harlem. Oh, you live in Harlem. I'm the mayor so, of Harlem. You know, I, I'm in Harlem. <laughs> I'm at the restaurant and I come outside to take a phone call. Two guys are walking past. Older gentleman. One guy says, hold up, hold up. Swing cash. I said, hey, how you doing? And for me, it's New York. It's too big. Like, right. I may get noticed in Detroit. I may get... <laughs> I said, 
how you doing, sir? He said, you know what? Don't worry about that last loss. I came mm. off season. Right. He said, matter of fact, pulled off his jacket, turned around, had a Liberty shirt on, and right. was like, we're going to get him next year. Two older gentlemen, gentlemen, you telling me they don't know about New York Liberty? Right. We made an impact. People know that we're back. We're planting a garden. They're not in New Jersey. I mean, that's what it's really truly about is the recognition. Um, but then that happened yesterday. Then I get home and I'm just going to talk about this real fast. Yeah. One of my favorite shows, Blackish. Have you guys oh, seen that? I saw your tweet oh, yeah. last night. I can't tell believe tell it. Tell I'm tell sitting tell there on the couch. <laughs> oh, baby. I'm sitting there and I'm ready. DVR all propped up. And I see, I say, oh, one WNBA mentioned. Oh, what did he just say? And then the show went on a little bit more. I said, another WNBA mentioned? Oh, no, he didn't. Then the third WNBA mentioned, I told my husband, Rewind it back. <laughs> rewind it back. He goes, the little kids on there, they're making fun of like the WNBA. Now, okay, it can be funny, but I was like, the first time we're on prime time, like I could have did a guest spot if y'all needed me to. Right. They're on there like, oh, I can't go to hell. I've already been to a WNBA game. Mm, right. I don't want to mm. do this. It's like going to a WNBA game. Mm. Then the mom is like, oh, I feel bad for him. I don't want to do that to him. Mm. I already took him to a WNBA yeah. game. It's, I'm it's, like, what it's, game you take him to? Because it surely wasn't a Liberty game. It was not. It wasn't, I, how, how, it wasn't the game I was, I was at. Like, come on now. Who's the writers for this show? Do right. better. Are you going to do something about that? Because although it's funny, well, she did. It's, it's serious. Well, you, you tweeted it right. out. But yeah. I mean, I mean, it's one thing is to tweet it out. But it's, again, it's another thing to take concerted action to mm -hmm. not really let anything like that slide. Because... Too many people. I was having lunch with somebody who should know better, mm -hmm. and make the. It's okay to make these jokes, or it's even okay for mm -hmm. major publications to have the W, uh, the, the Liberty, right down the street, mm -hmm. and say, "Well, you know, we don't have to cover them because what are they going to do?" You know. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I guess the question is, do you push back on that, or is it tweet enough, or do you have to continue to jam this whole male perspective? on women's sports that really can't, you can't allow these things to slide. Well, I just feel like I, I, what I can do in my power is to call them out. What I can do is tweet directly to the link at Blackish and say, hey, uh, we can have a conversation. I, I think that's what I've started doing more this summer is not letting things slide. When people say certain stuff, calling them on it if you want to have a conversation about it cool i'm all for laughing like i can laugh at ourselves and we can joke in different things but when you have three mentions in a prime time sh slot show like that that it, yeah it's based on comedy but everything was negative it wasn't right. even one positive like you could have said something positive like that to me is where it's like and we got to do better and it comes from a place of ignorance because it's not true yes right. <laughs> those writers haven't been to an, a WNBA game right. right and then I get somebody that's like oh well you know what they always say any kind of press isn't you know it's good press I'm like that no, no not, not if I was if I didn't even know about the WNBA right and this is the first time I'm hearing it and I'm like oh let me go Google what's the WNBA it's got to be something laughable because they're joking about it right to me it just seems like a show that is about a dominant black family and our league is dominantly African-American women that we would be a little bit more conscious about what we're writing because we actually talked about it this summer about why we can't get certain exposure and if is it is it because of our race is well, it because of that now you bring up a great point actually Candace brought this up um, about when we were talking because we were saying if you look at the World Cup the Women's mm -hmm. World Cup, and they gave them a, a, a um, parade, mm -hmm. the ticker tape parade. I'm thinking, well, you know, the women's Olympic team has won how many times? How many gold medals? Oh yeah, has, has a, has a we woman? we pulled off number five in 2012, going for number six. So, I'm like, it? <laughs> so, so if they get a ticker tape parade for that. What should you guys get? <laughs> I mean, maybe a trip in every Mexico. city. Yeah, you should get. That should be like that's like with Venus and Serena. Mm -hmm. And and again, it gets into some troubling waters that people don't necessarily want to get into, mm -hmm. but I'm thinking if, if Venus and Serena were two white sisters from anywhere, you know, Jersey, who, 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 <laughs> Jersey, Staten Island, or something like that, there would probably be statues on every single <laughs> World Cup, but but one of the things that Candace said, and I thought about this for, for a while, is that maybe because the league, the WNBA, has become just like the WNBA, a lot of young black people. Now, the, WN, the, the NBA is the different. NBA, you mean. Mm -hmm. well, no, well, I mean, the NBA is like 80% black, mm -hmm. but it's also this huge juggernaut mm -hmm. that is making so much money 
that people just they just have to deal with it. But I'm wondering when it comes to the WMA, which is not like it was, let's say, 15 years ago, where you had a lot of it was not predominantly black, but now it's predominantly black women. And I'm wondering if that is a reason why we're we're there's a little bit of resistance to completely embrace it because clearly athleticism has gotten better. The comparative, everything has gotten better. Yeah, it's the best league in the world. Absolutely. It's not just the U.S. We have players from all over the world that are the best in their country. We right now have some of the best top players in Australia. Australia has won silver for how many years behind us? At least five years behind us where they've won silver. Um, And it's the best players in the world. It's a global sport. When young girls are playing, they do the, de- the the data right now, young girls are playing basketball at a higher rate than they're playing soccer, okay? We got youth leagues. If you can take your daughter to play youth leagues, we have the Christian leagues uh, that they have for young girls. If young girls are playing at that level, what makes it any different when it gets to the WNBA? There's a huge disconnect. Obviously, all the players that are in the youth leagues cannot be WNBA players like all everyone's not going to make it just like the NBA you won't make it but why if my little daughter over here is playing sports why wouldn't I want to have a role model for her and something that she's doing why is my daughter playing sports over here but I want her to follow the soccer player that is her role model there's because I'm a little biased but there are a lot of women in the WNBA that have a lot going on they're inspiring women that is somebody that if I had a young daughter I would want them to look up to we don't know their stories we can't find them we can't see them that's our job as media to be able to tell the stories and for people to be able to see them but that's my issue right there well so so what do you think I mean there's more than one reason but I was gonna ask mm-hmm. you what do you think you know one of the a few of the reasons are that a sport like tennis is more popular. Women's tennis is, you know, you don't see that issue with that. People watch women's tennis, people watch men's tennis, they don't mm-hmm. compare them. So what's, what's, what are the big issues to you? I think one of the things is that um, when people think about basketball, they only think about NBA because it's so big, the brand is so big. So it's like, if you don't play NBA basketball, uh, it's this little thing over here. But when you go to college, people still love college, men and women, and they don't have any issue with it. Now, you're affiliated, obviously, with your university. But for me, there's just a huge disconnect. I think we went through a period where people had so many stereotypes about what the WNBA was. Oh, not only the race issue, but um, sexuality. Sexuality, issues of you know does she look like a boy does she look like a girl like all these issues that we don't want to talk about but are stereotypes I mean I said it even on with the Players Tribune I had a woman who came up to me and basically said I'm so happy my daughter um, has a role model like you but I don't want her to play basketball because I heard the other girls are gay and I don't mm-hmm. want her to then end up like that I'm, are a, you kidding I have, me I actually have a friend <laughs> I have a friend who's a former college basketball women's college basketball player who said the same thing and it's but that to me is like where the issue lies yeah. and if uh, you have so many people that are thinking like that not only that are going to be fans but also that are writing the stories that are crafting everything then how can we win how can we win well, that's the question because you've been doing gotta a lot be of, away. you got you've been doing a lot of media stuff mm-hmm. uh, and you're going to be doing more media stuff yes right? <laughs> and, and, and that's what we're talking about so what is what is what do you think is the answer? I mean, you could look at anything, any civil rights movement. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're further ahead than we were in 1925. Mm-hmm. In fact, in fact, if you looked at the WNBA, if you looked at the NBA, 20 years after it was formed, mm-hmm. like 1948, then you look at the, the WNBA, the, the NBA, 1968, tape delay. Yes. <laughs> right. You couldn't, I, even you couldn't. in the 70s, you, you couldn't watch. They were putting on tape delay. And they were worried about the guys. And what was it at that time was, oh, are they drugs, drugs and right. other things? Right. And, right. Yeah. Right. It really wasn't until they said until, and, and, and really it, Magic until and Magic Bird, and Bird, yeah. because mm-hmm. they were concerned that, well, you know, Lee's getting real black, so how can we? And it was really, and it was serious. And so it was really until Magic and Bird. So I think in some levels you could, you could say that as long as you guys are persistent and you keep you know, rolling that ball. It's, it's persistence. It's time. It's not letting anything slide. And it's, it's really, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, you don't really have the luxury yet just to be playing basketball. It has to be social, political, 
you know, it has to be everything. It has to be a movement. It has to be an empowering yeah. movement. You have to be unapologetically fierce. And that's what where I think we need to move into. I think we need to say, this is our league. Take ownership of it. And it's about standing up for what you believe in. Unfortunately, some players just want to play basketball. They're like, I don't understand. I don't want to be out there having to ask people why they don't want to watch. I don't want to have to go through this, the grind, the grind. But every time I see my 11-year-old niece pick up that basketball and working on her crossover and, Auntie, look at me do this layup, I think about, am I going to make it better for her? Let me sacrifice now. Let me speak my mind now. You know, people tell me all the time, you're going into media. You're going to be doing different things. You don't want to say X, Y, and Z because so-and-so may not hire you. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, the only person I fear is God. So if I keep walking in my truth and in my purpose, then I'm okay with that. Two, two uh, I don't know if these are two last things, but two more things. But relative to that, and, and again, this is sort of an Isaiah question, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's intriguing in that that was a very big issue. Mm-hmm. It was a very huge issue. I thought you guys handled it well. You were probably in a, in a, in a corner. Um, as much as you could say, how difficult was that? Because again... Uh, the WNBA hired, I mean, the Liberty hired Isaiah Thomas to be the president, putting you guys in a tremendous position. Everything we talked about up to this point politically, it's almost like saying, listen, play. Just mm-hmm. play ball. You guys are the workers. This is what we're doing. Play. Don't say anything about it. He's the president. He's your boss. Play. Just, a- again, without putting you too much on the spot, but take us inside the mindset how you as a veteran said, okay, we're going to deal with this. There's a bigger picture here. I'm going to deal with this. How did you deal with that? Uh, Well, from the start, I can tell you um, my reaction wasn't, when I heard about Isaiah being hired, my reaction wasn't like, oh, goodness, what's what's happening? Because I knew Isaiah prior to that because of being in Detroit. Um, But when I started hearing all the backlash and things that were coming with it and then started doing a little bit more research, I knew that there was going to be a moment where I needed to make a decision. I knew, I looked at my team, everybody was going to be on my team, and I knew that they would be looking to me. And I was actually (laughs) in Santorini on my Mm. honeymoon Mm. um, doing 2 a.m. conference calls with the union on one side, talking to the Liberty on the other side. And it really came down to talking to my teammates, a lot of prayer, Mm -hmm. Mm. talking to Isaiah, talking to Bill, getting all the information, and then saying to my teammates, what do you want to do? How do you feel? Got all that information, how they felt, and then it was about, all right, you play, you play, you play, I got this. If I got to take bullets for you, that's what's going to happen. And that's what I did, because I knew that I could speak to the media, I could say exactly how everyone felt, deal with it, and not put a rookie in a position where she wanted to say the same thing I did, but somebody asked her a question a different way, and then she says something, and we get a sound bite that sounds terrible. That's not right. fair. Right. <laughs> you right. know, but I can tell you this every single player had an opportunity to speak her mind of what she wants. And unanimously, as a team, we said, no. Tanisha, can you please speak? Swin, can you speak? Essence, can you speak? This is how we feel. Boom, you guys go. And mm-hmm. we dealt with it. So I thought from the start we had tremendous leadership to deal with that issue. And we turned within ourselves to go back to playing the game. So we dealt with it. And we used that as fuel to really build our chemistry. I thought mm-hmm. that that situation mm-hmm. we handled as pros. We felt we found a, a rhythm with our chemistry. And then we just moved on from in, there. In, in other words, almost in, in, inadvertently or overtly, that became, that was the first major thing, the glue. In other words, it, it, that was the first yeah, you, you get thrown into together. a fire. Yeah. It was like one of those things where you get thrown into a fire. You think you're coming into training camp and, hey, girl, what's <laughs> up? We're going shopping in a couple hours, it's, you know, after practice. But the reality is, is it was a major issue because right. there were, we knew there were going to be women's groups. You had people that were, I, I thought it was so just crazy when there were coaches and organizations talking about how worried and concerned they were for us. And we're like, oh, okay, people are concerned for us. But I never got a phone call. <laughs> I'm like, what? Usually my mom and somebody say they worried about me. I'm picking up the phone. And that's not a knock to the organizations. I think that every single person, if you didn't agree with the decision 
the liberty made that's fine i'm not saying they're wrong what i'm saying is don't be out there protesting and being upset about something and none of the players hear from you right you know because i i respect you if you stand on your truth and what you want i don't like the politicizing of anything i I, i'm not here for that i'm not gonna let our players get involved in that and so that's the one thing that was kind of disappointing for me I, i thought too which was weird and i put a lot of pressure on a lot of my colleagues in the media were women you know, now, now ESPNW does a, a good mm-hmm. job. I'm, the first day, remember that first, the first meeting, and I predicted it. Uh, I predicted it. <laughs> you did, I, you I, did. I, I this, <laughs> there are going to be a million people out there day one, mm-hmm. after day one of the game. Opening seat about midway, the, it's going to be cut more than half. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the skeleton staff there. I said, you either care about this as, a, as, a, as, a, as, as athletes, mm-hmm. do the issue, but then don't just disappear. Mm-hmm. It's your right. It's your it's your duty to be there. And of course, sure enough, <laughs> day two, like the, like four games in, it was like a ghost town. <laughs> Nobody covered it, mm-hmm. you know. And I and I had a conversation with the sports editor. I said, listen, we just can't show up. They, you know, mm-hmm. and, and for the events. Well, we've got a lot of people covering the World Cup. It doesn't take a lot of nerve to cover the women's <laughs> World Cup. Everybody does take some foresight to cover the Liberty as a professional team. Mm-hmm. A more professional team than the New York Knicks. Because I told guys on my <laughs> block in Harlem that if you guys want to see some, some winning, you better go now. Because come <laughs> NBA season is over. But the point is, is, is you're either, and particularly if you're a woman journalist, mm-hmm. you can't just be in this for the politics or I'm not calling you, mm-hmm. I'm just using Swin Cash and the team as sort of this political thing, but I'm not really down with the larger picture, which is women's equality and getting people to see us as athletes and sweat getters, not just as this political... Thing. Yeah, and people should know. You should know me by now. I mean, I I, I feel like I'm a sweet person, like I'm calm, You're but don't very sweet. But it do, seem pretty do, sweet. Do but not send for me. Yeah, do not <laughs> send for me, people. And what I mean by that is, please don't use me in a way to politicize anything. Don't use my name and speak of me because I'm a person that I'll address you back in a very nice way. But we can have an intellectual conversation back and forth. But I'm no, I'm no one's mouthpiece and I'm no one's uh, tool to railroad anyone else. Mm. Let's as we wrap this part one up because we can go another whole another <laughs> hour. But I want you to talk about your mom mm-hmm. because clearly she's been a very strong force in your life of getting you to this to this point. And um, what, what, uh, where, where do you begin? What's the first question? What about your mom? Just tell, tell, <laughs> tell us about about your mom she, and, and the, the type of impact that she's had on your life. Right, she, she had an impact on your basketball life. Yeah, she right. beat me up for a while until I could finally beat her in like high school. Uh, <laughs> my mom is very strong. She's quiet. She's got that quiet strength. Um, I watched her growing up work with an all-male crew um, for the McKeesport Housing Authority for a number of years. My mom would get up in the morning, put on overalls, pour her hair back, put on some lipstick. And I used to say to my mom, Mom, why are you putting on lipstick or any makeup? And she would always turn to me and say, because I'm a lady. (laughs) So it was instilled in me at a very young age that it doesn't matter what I do, I still should look good and feel good doing it. family is big with my mom but also standing up for what you believe in she used to always say all the time if you don't stand for something you'll fall for anything and so I've never been afraid to stand up for what I believe in I've never been afraid to play basketball I've always known I've never been I've never had the most talent on any team that I've been on but you'll never question my heart like I, I'll go toe to toe. I'll try to work as hard as anybody else until I can't do it anymore, and then I'm okay with that. And that's just how I was raised: is to compete, 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 mm. to be the mm. best you, not to compete to be somebody else. I don't want to be anybody else. I, I want to have a unique sense of who I am as a woman, and that's who I want to be. So, that a lot of credit has to has to be given to my mom and to my family. Um, and also to my dad. You know, my dad and I didn't have a lot of ties growing up. Um, my dad was a person who who had financial support, but, you know, the military was his baby. And mm. he went out. He protected our country. We didn't have a relationship. We have a better one now. Mm. Uh, now my dad's a, uh, a pastor. But wow. I learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a I, I, I learned I learned a valuable lesson uh-huh. in, in learning how to deal with issues at a very young age. So. Well, where did you get your name from? And, and I want yeah. I, I, I you Swim with Swintalia. Swintaylor. Swintaylor, mm-hmm. which is really pretty. <laughs> well, so tell me, Swintaylor Marie 
cash. Tell me, yeah. tell me the, the <laughs> etymology. My mom's middle name is uh, Marie, and Swintela, my uh, godmom, gave it to me, and she said it was Swahili for astounding. Oh wow! Yeah, Did you so have you? I feel like I'm trying to still live up to that name, but <laughs> doing a pretty you good know. Job, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that that there's something, but I want to get into you. You got a foundation. In fact, next week, yes, you got a big gala in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. It's Cash for Kids, and I, I, I guess it goes that goes into what you what your whole life has been mm-hmm. about about kids and underserved kids. Tell us about Cash for Kids. What it, how you founded it. What you know? What it does? And yeah. So so briefly, I'll tell you. Um, in two thousand when two thousand and two when I came out of college, I always knew I wanted to give back. That's how we were raised. Um, making sure we we come from humble beginnings. Making sure we give back. Two thousand and four went to the Olympics in Athens. Came back from Athens. Blew out my ACL. Mm. Uh, I was depressed for a couple of months. My mom finally called me and told me, uh, I don't know what's going on with you, but you better get your butt off the couch mm. and do something for somebody else. That's what's gonna make you feel better. Thought about it. I said, you know what? Now's the perfect time for me to start uh, my own nonprofit. Now, for anybody that knows, starting a nonprofit is not easy. <laughs> but I started Cash for Kids, and for the last 10 years, and th- since 2005, Cash for Kids has been operating. We've done work. We're established in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We've done work in Detroit, in Seattle. Um, currently, we're working on some stuff here in New York. And what we try to do is have youth leagues through our basketball, our soccer, um, making sure we're focusing on fitness. We have academic enrichment, and we also have leadership programs for young girls. Uh, we've had great partnerships, and for over 10 years, it for me, I just want to say this, we haven't had one person on salary or staff. Mm. Every dollar we get has gone back to the organization. And now it's at a place for the next decade, I really want to have our board start engaging partnerships, grants, and things of that sort. People ask me all the time, that's crazy. How did you do that for 10 years? I said, great partnerships, mm. and I had to do it myself. Right. I I always feel like if you believe in something, you got to do it yourself. See what the grind feels like, and then you know what it needs moving forward. So, yeah. Where's the base? Where, where? It's based in Pittsburgh, um, mm-hmm. and that's where we're going to have our first gala fundraiser. Uh, I'm excited about it. October 30th at PNC Park. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's oh, going to wow. be a beautiful location at PNC Park. Um, we're honoring Helene Phelps, who nobody will know her name, but that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to honor somebody mm-hmm. for the last 30 years. Has had a drill team mm-hmm. and keeping young girls girls and boys off the street and taking them around Pennsylvania doing parades and everything for the last 30 years. My mom was in her uh, part of some of the groups she did. I was in part of the, some of the groups she did. So, yeah. Wow, that's great. And, you know, I, 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 well, you were talking about the injury mm-hmm. and one of the big health things you came back from was was a, a, a cancer diagnosis. Yes. Um, I forget how far, but I mean. 2007, Wow, yeah. what was that I don't want to be a cliche like how life trans was that life transforming but I would imagine that something like that has to be transformative yeah I was in a really dark place because I was I was coming off I was still trying to get back from the ACL I mean I was already back we won a championship but Bill and I were struggling a little bit with our relationship and I had went in because my back was bothering me got an MRI on my back the doctor says, something doesn't look right over here. We're getting ready for the playoffs. They called me back in before the playoffs start and said, you have a tumor on your kidney. Mm. We think it's cancerous. We need to, we can wait till after the playoffs, but we need to find out exactly what's going on. So did the little biopsy. It came back um, as I had to get it removed. Waited till after the 2007 playoffs. Uh, got that removed and it was very scary and every year since then I've had to go back and get checkups uh, making sure that nothing's come back nothing's happened but uh, I mean at that younger age you just yeah. don't know and I just think by the grace of God that I went in for an MRI on my back and my kidney thing happened to show up so mm. yeah. did that change your 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 perspective of diets on your relationship to the health care community you know maybe very I was always conscious before that but I think the biggest thing for me was that my faith was tested in a way that made me say you know what (laughs) <laughs> but God, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, when you're sitting there at a young age and it's not like you're overweight, it's not like you've had any issues. My my kidney wasn't bothering me. Everything was functioning fine, but my back was bothering me. So you just have to sit there and say, OK, this happened to me. How do I deal with it? And making sure I continue to eat right. I get the proper checkups. And I've done that. So, 
Wow, thank God. Yeah. Uh, our, our, our guest uh, has been Swin Cash, <laughs> wonderful Swin Cash. Thanks. And before we let you go, uh, A, you got to promise to come back. <laughs> okay. B, and also just a little summation of what do you think at a great season, uh, WNBA seems to be in a good good space. Uh, where do you think we go from here? Where does the league go from here? Uh, where do you, you go from here in terms of uh, conditioning, but also in terms of things you want to do outside? Where, where, What's the next step? I, I would say the next step for the league, next year is very important. Uh, it's the 20th anniversary. It's an Olympic year. It is a time that all eyes should be uh, looking towards women's basketball. It's a time that all hands should be on deck. I encourage the NBA um, to be a big supporter of what needs to be done next year. And I'm looking uh, to see what transpires from that. I'm excited. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a critical year for the league, for the marketing, for the recognition. I think that next year needs to be one of those blow-ups like we got next. Mm. When it first came out, like this is the next we got next type of level the next 20 years what's it going to look like so I think for the league uh, New York has to be at the forefront of that they're always the most innovative we have the fan base here and we have to force the media here uh, to also pay attention so I think that that's very important Uh, for me Right now, I am renovating my house, <laughs> so I'm somewhat domestic a little bit. I'm excited about that. Yes, you know, listen, and you know, I mean, I know basketball players they don't think about it, but I can cook a little something. So you know, I, I'm excited about having a new kitchen. But you know, you know, in in, in regards to basketball. Um, there, it is coming to an end for me, and I understand that when um, hopefully I'll um, be able to speak on that soon. Uh, but at the same time, I want to make sure that I'm leaving a legacy here for the players that come after. And I want to go into this next phase of my career, whether that's just on the media side, whether that's in the front office, or whether that's saying, hey, I want to be the next 2020 president of the United States. I want to be fearless and unapologetic about it. Wow, the wonderful Swin Cash for president. <laughs> I feel like I'm Kanye. Yeah. Listen yeah. to the kids, bro. I'll Listen take you over kids. Kanye. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Swin, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.